Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. What's up, Grant? It's always good to see you up here. Oh, I get you, man. I get you. Yo, give it up for Grant holding it down. Come on, Grant on the keys. Oh, is this on? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful that were two or more gathered, there the spirit of the living God. There he is in the midst of them. Aren't you grateful for the spirit of the living God this morning? Can you guys just praise Jesus so loud that all of our neighbors in this complex can hear us because he's been so good and so faithful to you? Can you just make some noises for the King of Kings? Lord knows that Matt McClure for sure, maybe you're a saint, maybe, maybe, maybe you are perfect, maybe you've ex ex ascended to that next level of, of, of sonship and daughtership where you no longer have flaws, and maybe you're that incredible, incredible person that won, but for me, I know, I know, I know, I know that I am not owed 2022 but dang it, I am grateful that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords ordered my steps when I did not manage them very well. And somehow, some way, by the grace of God, I am here today. Are you grateful for that God? Amen. Then praise Him like you know you shouldn't be here. Come on. This morning, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Matt. Uh, my beautiful wife, Adrienne, you saw her earlier. Um, we are the lead pastors here at Takeover Church, and it's an incredible honor to have you with us this morning. This morning, we are going to kick off a brand new series called, are you ready? This is more than just a series. This is a banner for our year. This is where we are going. This is who we are. This is our heart. This is what we do here, okay? We are going after new wine, fresh oil, and old fire. Come on, somebody. New wine. Fresh oil and old fire, are you with me? And part of that is we are starting off something that we're just kind of calling uh, first season. First season. And part of that is going to be our first fruits offering at the end of the year, which uh, Zach, our incredible, uh, one of the incredible prophets in the house, spoke about earlier as he opened service. Um, and our fasting, our first fast is what we're calling it. And real quick, I just want to nail this down for you real quick you might say why are we doing a, a year beginning offering instead of a year-end offering proverbs 3 8 through 10 don't worry mikey you don't have it back there this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones honor the lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing not to not to just getting by not to maybe next winter maybe next harvest maybe when the lord decides to shine his face upon us no 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 your barns will be filled to 
overflowing. How many of you know you're not full until you're overflowing? Your vats will brim over with new wine. Man, I love David, or I love Solomon in that. I love the way he says, will brim over. Brim, what a beautiful picture of just seeing something so filled that when you think it's going to stop because it's right at the edge, the Lord just gets undignified with it and goes, overflow, overpour. And there it is. And that is exactly why we are doing a year beginning offering and not a year ending offering. Because I, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, not even as a pastor, okay, because no other pastor does this. We all hit this at the end of the year. It's called the year-end giving. You've seen this, right, in churches? Okay, I get that every other pastor does that. I'm sorry I'm different, okay? And I know you've all experienced that I'm different. Apologies in advance. <laughs> don't laugh at that, Evan. God. But I don't want to honor God with my leftovers that I didn't spend at Christmas. I don't want to honor God with my looked overs, what I didn't know was in the bank account, what I kind of stumbled upon. I don't want to, I don't, I don't believe that just giving God what I find at the end of the year is really honoring him. No offense to anybody else. I get it. You're covering your taxes. Fantastic. I'm glad that America is set up in such a way that we can do that. But I'm not. I'm not set up that I can do that. I, I want God to have my first. I want him to have my best. I want him to have everything I can give him up front and save nothing to myself except Lord Jesus. Is there any a Christian in the house that would declare that with me this morning? That we're going to give God our first. So on January 30th, we're going to do something that's above and beyond our normal scheduled tithes and offerings. And if I'm the only one, I'm the only one. But I want to invite you into it because I'm believing for more. Uh, not just more in my finances or in Adrian and I's finances or in Takeover Church's finances. I am believing for more in this area, more for the city, more for these people. I don't care if you are over-churched, under-churched, over-developed, underdeveloped, never heard the name of Jesus, or you grew up hearing Jesus more than any other name. Wherever you fall, I believe we are in desperate need of an outpouring from heaven. Man, and this is just what the church has done for 2,000 years. And so honestly, if you don't believe in revival today, if you don't believe in gifts of the Spirit today, if you don't believe in me today, if you don't believe in this church today, believe that there is 2,000 years worth of our brothers and sisters whom so many gave their lives. And guess what they did? They tithed. They showed up to church. They were faithful in every season. And they gave their lives to follow. So if you don't believe in me, believe in them. And if you don't believe in them, believe in Jesus. And join us on January 30th for that. Second is our fast. And fast is easy. Fast is this. Fast is not giving up social media. Sorry, not sorry. You should just do that at seasons and periods of times anyways because it's, it's just garbage uh, in the first place. Yeah, you're at that kind of church this morning, okay? Uh, I don't know uh, about you, but I was having quite the experience during worship, so I'm a bit raw and cagey at the moment, okay? Our first fasts, first of all, this is our first corporate fast as a church in almost four years of existence. This is our first one that we've done, and so it's fitting that we call it the first fast 2022. But truly, 
Fasting is food always. It is food always. It is where we go from glory to glory and strength to strength. It is where we search out the things that God has hidden for kings to find. Okay, this is what we do here. The reason why is we go without in the bodily so we can gain in the spiritual. Are you with me this morning? We will go without in the natural to gain in the supernatural. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is always about getting our bodies into submission to our spirit. I don't know about you, and I don't know where you come from, and I don't know your church history background, but actual theology and actual New Testament and actual God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there is one that he has given us that is an advocate, that is a brother, that is closer than a friend, that is in the inside of us, friends, that is desperately crying out that we would be obedient to him. I'm telling you right now, fasting is the cheat code to the download you've been looking for. It is the cheat code. You don't got to button mash your way through Christianity. There is a cheat code to accessing everything heaven has for you. And I believe it is fasting. Rid me of myself, Lord. John 3.30, I have a tattooed on my arm. No cap. Less of me, more of him. Oh, you don't believe me, Cole? Bro, he's called you. Less of me, more of you. So starting today, we're going to start fasting. I'm going to start fasting. I have water with cayenne in it for, I don't know why. But it's not coffee, and that sucks, okay? But you know what? I'm going to fast, and we're, and we're going to do one meal a day, and we're going to go after what the Lord has. And fasting isn't also just a great diet plan, okay? That's the other thing you need to know today. Fasting without being purposeful with spending time with your father, it's just Weight Watchers. It's just Weight Watchers. It's just, it's just Jenny, whatever her name is. Like, it's just, I don't even know if there's a Jenny, but there's probably a Jenny with some workout plan, okay? Jenny from the block. There we go. <laughs> Jenny from the fridge. Anyways, uh, I got so many that I am resisting right now. Leave me alone. But it's always going without in the natural so that we can go with and go up and go into the supernatural. It's not just social media. There's a Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is desperately wanting your attention. The King of Heaven actually wants your attention. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. That's so difficult for me to understand, but I plan on taking the next 30 days and peeling back the layers of Matt McClure and really seeing the Holy Spirit more in my life. Are you with me? Because then on, on January 30th, we're going to be so delirious because we're hungry. We're going to believe everything the Bible says. We're actually going to do what it tells us to do. We're going to invite people. We're going to lay hands. They're going to see us radically give and then radically eat afterwards. And it's going to be amazing. And it's just going to be just like the banquet in heaven that we see. Does that sound good? Okay. Let's go. That's what's happening. But this morning, we're kicking off a brand new series. Somebody say, new series. New series, it is new wine, fresh oil, and old fire. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? The title of my message is Holy Desperation. Holy Desperation. Holy Desperation. It's so holy, in fact, I literally have one piece of scripture to start this morning off with. Are you ready? 
you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up on the Sky Bible, but open up to Habakkuk 3, 2. I'm going to call it Habakkuk, okay? Uh, it is Habakkuk. I'm going to call it Habakkuk because that's how I learned it before I was all scholared up and stuff. And uh, it's stuck. It just is what it is. It's Habakkuk, but I'm going to call it Habakkuk. Sound good? Okay, I just don't want anybody being like, he's a false teacher because he can't even pronounce the word. Like, save it, all right? Let's get, let's get it. You ready? Habakkuk 3, 2. I'm coming out of the ESV this morning. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. I'm so good. I'm going to read that twice. Oh, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh, Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known, God. In wrath, remember mercy. We're going to pray. And we're going to see what the Lord will do with Habakkuk. Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. God, right now I ask that you would do exceedingly above all that I can ask, dream, or imagine, not according to my power within me, but the power that is at work with me through your Holy Spirit, Father God. That is Ephesians 3.20, if you don't know. Father, we make that our cry this morning. Father, we ask right now, God, that 2022, it wouldn't look like 2020, not for us. It wouldn't look like 2021, not for us, that we wouldn't allow division, that we wouldn't allow politics, that we wouldn't allow the things of this temporal world to divide us and suffocate us. No, Father God, right now, Jesus, we are asking that you would unite us. We are asking that you would be the breath in our lungs. We are asking for freedom, God, that is only attainable at the foot of the cross of Jesus, Father, right now. Light a fire in this house. Light a fire in me. God, light a fire on the inside of us like Jesus must have had when he came out the tomb. God, we want to be an undignified, peculiar people. We're not here to fit in. We're here to see you take over, God. So right now, do something, God. Do something in your people. We will be like clay. We will be a canvas that is blank. We don't come. We don't come with our agenda like we sang earlier, God. No, we don't even come with our own paint, Father God. We don't come with a preference, Father God. We come blank, ready to receive, God. So paint us up and make us into your image and likeness once again. Do what only you can do today, God. Father, we are not a people that is content with the last two years. We're not content with the last 30 years of Christianity, if we're being honest. God, take us back to that old fire, God. God, in this Midwest, West Michigan church called Takeover, God, give us the passion and the conviction this morning, Father God, that our brothers and sisters in the Eastern Church, in tunnels in China, fighting for their lives just for another moment to sing a hymn alongside their brothers and sisters in the presence of God. Give us that passion, Father. 
for 2022. Give us that passion, Father, for this moment. Give us that conviction, Father God. Give us that fire. Rev up on the inside of us something so inquenchable, but yet so consequential, God, to our lives that we cannot resist you. We cannot resist church. We cannot resist gathering. We cannot resist submitting. We cannot resist being faithful to where you've called us to be, Father. We want to be a people that are actually faithful in our marriages. We want to be a people that are actually faithful in our purity. We want to be a people that are faithful to our children, that are faithful to our workplaces, that are faithful to our calling. We want to be a place that is faithful to your Holy Spirit. Father, right now we just join in with the chorus of angels and the chorus of saints that sit at your throne and worship you in heaven. God, we join in with that chorus. We lift up a sound. Our sound is, keep the world, give us Jesus. Father, I pray that we don't have to get to your side of heaven to know the world isn't worth it, but you are worth everything. So come and wreck us, God. Come and love us, God. Come and wrap your arms around us, God. Give us a kiss from heaven this morning, God. All of it, Father, wherever we're at. If it's pride, break it. Father, if we got low self-esteem, give us our Savior's self-esteem. That we would know that we're sons and we're daughters. Father, right now, you know your children. You know your kids. Meet us where we are, God. We will receive whatever it is you have for us. Just meet us here, God. Some of us, we need a hug from heaven today. I pray right now that you would receive that. Some of you, you need a touch from your Father, and he lets you know he has not forgotten about you. He's just hidden you. I pray that you receive that. Some of us right now, we need a swift kick in the pants from our dad. And God, I ask that you would give it to me. Because that's me. Wherever we're at today, in this moment, Father, we ask that you would be that need. That you would be that hunger. That you would be that desire. And we would leave this place later, God with a drive and a passion and a conviction for nothing less than Lord Jesus. And all of God's sons and daughters said, Amen. Amen. Holy desperation. I think it's easy right now, right? I think it's easy. It's easy right now, Tristan, right? Like we could turn on CNN. We could turn on Fox News. We can go on Twitter. We can go on Instagram. We can go on Facebook. We can go to our uh, 
friend's house, we can go to a social gathering, we can come to church, heck, you can be at the cooler or the, the, the tea and coffee station over there, and you will hear something that someone is in desperate need of, isn't that so? Like, you can just turn on television right now, you can go anywhere, and you can just look outside for a second, and you just see a world that is desperate. It's desperate. It's desperate. Heck, I'll, I'll raise you one. You can look inside the church, and you can see a people that is desperate. You can look outside right now, and you can see a world that is scared, that is broken, that is divided, that has been hiding inside, that has been debating and fighting and devouring each other and clearly clamoring and just fully willing to crawl over one another's dead bodies for whatever it is that they're desperate for. And I think you can look inside the four walls of the church, and I pray it's not ours. But I think you can look inside Christianity's four walls, and you can see a scared and a broken and a dying and a fear-filled and a divided and a stuck inside and all of these same things. And suddenly, I think if you begin to compare and contrast, one might have it a little bit more together but it's very clear that both the world and the church for the last two years certainly has lived in a place of desperation. And unfortunately, it's out of that place of desperation. Like we know what the world's going to fill that with, right? We know. We, we, we know. We have the Bible. We know our own issues and situations and hang-ups and, and, and flaws that we all possess. We understand that if we're this messed up, then clearly someone who doesn't have Jesus is going to go even further off the rails than we are. So the world, we understand. But it's when we begin to look inside the church that we're going, wait, 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 there is a problem. There is a problem because we have joined in on not the hunger games, but the desperation games. And we have began to devour ourselves, devour one another, fight, infight, divorce, and just completely live in segregation, degradation, and division for the last two years. Am I wrong? That's what it's looked like for us. That's what it's looked like for us. Can I say something that's probably not okay to say? I'm going to say the word sexy. I get that it's sexy right now to deconstruct. I get that it's sexy right now to join in on the online conversation about all the doubts and things you've ever had about church or Jesus or pastors or leaders or whomever. I get that it's in vogue right now. I get that it's fashionable. But I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I'm not going to give up. And we're not going to give up. 
and we're not going to give in. The only thing that we are going to give into in 2022 is Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, but this still means something to me. This, this is still real to me. We're in a warehouse that may not be suede rugs and pews of old and cool, lovely, like, I made it churchy. Look at that. Not today, Satan. I get my pulpit and my pants don't look like the generals of faith of old. I am fully aware, but understand and make no mistake about it, Takeover Church. This still means something to me, and I need it to mean something to you. The Lord needs it to mean something to you. Friends, revival will never happen in the Midwest if revival is not happening within us. This, this has to matter. This has to motivate. This has to drive. This has to be something that is so consuming on the inside of us that it's like, you know what? It's still I give my life to follow. What an honor it is to die for Lord Jesus. I get that giving up on your faith and deconstructing is vogue right now. I get that, I get that going to church right now in this day and age, especially with all the, you know. I get that that is what the world and a secular society is telling you it might be fashionable to deconstruct but it is christianity to trust it might be sexy to walk away from your faith right now but it is faithful to continue to be remain a christian amen like this is the real real rubber meets the road and we find out in this hour in this season not who's with Matt and Adrian. Not who's with Takeover Church. No, no, no. Right now is where we find out who's with Jesus. Who's with Jesus? Is there anybody in this place today that would say and declare right now over 2022, I'm with Jesus? Then on the count of three, say it. One, two, three. Let's do it again. One, two, three. I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. You see, friends, I'm believing for a holy desperation to take over this generation. While the world is saying deconstruction is the future the same spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the tomb, from hell, sin, death, and the grave. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides on the inside of you. And his message has remained the same no matter what the secular world has tried to say. They will say deconstruct. Deconstruction is the future of the church. But Jesus is saying revelation is the future of the church come on somebody you think the world right now needs a revelation of who Jesus is I'm here to tell you today we need a revelation of who Jesus is because holy desperation will never come without a fresh revelation 
holy desperation will never come without a fresh revelation. Think about it. Think about when you first met Jesus and you were bloody nuts falling out of your tree madly in love with him. There wasn't a thing that you wouldn't do. There wasn't a church event you wouldn't be at. There wasn't a youth group, an internship, a Bible study, an app on your phone that you wouldn't download. There wasn't a worship team that you wouldn't listen to. There wasn't a pastor that you wouldn't listen to before you got caught up in the growing up and in the living in the world but not being of the world. Before that had a chance to take your innocence Do you remember those days? I do. I do. I remember actually praying. I mean actually praying. I mean travailing kind of prayer. Matt, it's 2021. Nobody uses that language anymore. What is, tw- what is travailing? Travailing? Travailing is that gut-wrenching prayer. Travailing is those tear-ridden prayers. Travailing is when, man, I've got to do it. I've got to pray for my generation. I've got to pray for my school. I've got to do something insane. I remember being 16 years old and starting a prayer circle called Meet Me at the Panther, Prayer at the Panther, in the middle of my high school. And This isn't about how great I am. What I'm saying is I want to go back to this. When I didn't give a rip what the unbelieving world around me thought of me, I knew that my high school and my friends and my people and, the, and my generation, they needed, they needed Jesus. And maybe it's because I'm fully aware of how much I need Jesus. Friends, this still means something to me because I understand. I understand that I am in desperate need of Lord Jesus. And when he didn't have to, he gave me unmerited grace. When I didn't deserve it, he gave me unmerited favor. When I couldn't earn it, he showed up and he opened doors and he got me into places, including my marriage, including this building, including everything my life has looked like since I met him at 16. He didn't need to rescue me out of every issue and circumstance that I had at that time. I was so full of bondage. Whether it was being my son or my father's son, struggling with being made in the image of likeness of my people that I come from, whether it was the porn that I crashed four Dell computers on, whether it was the girls that I would just date and break up with for sport. Whether it was the fact that I'd be in a Christian rock band and it was all, the lyrics might say something about Jesus, but it is all about Matt getting his glory. This matters to me because when I was the king of my world, he rescued me from it. (laughs) When I was the king of my world, He saw fit 
to meet me in my place where I was literally bruised, literally battered, literally had staples in my head, literally was the worst case scenario for a 16-year-old, and he said, come and follow me. And the Lord has never stopped saying, come and follow me. I'm believing for this church to have a holy desperation in it. Holy desperation. Friends, did you know the number one motivator in the world right now? It's not what you think it is. It's the number one motivator in the world. I think if I was to ask you, like we were doing one of those old polls, you know, hey, what do you think the number one motivator in the world is? Most of us would say uh, sex, uh, influence, uh, money, uh, relationship. I mean, like, right? Like, it, it's kind of, it kind of is, it kind of is whatever is, is, is most uh, necessity to you at the moment, right? Whatever season you're in, you're going to say whatever it is that you are kind of the most longing for. But friends, the number one motivator in the world isn't necessarily the singular of what you motivate or what you uh, desire. The number one motivator in the world is what you hunger for. Hunger is the number one motivator in the world. Because hunger will drive you to move towards so that you might be filled by. Hunger will move you towards that which you hunger for so that you might be filled by what you hunger for. In other words, friends, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. You are what you consume. You are what you purpose. And you are the sum total of what you worship. Whatever you hunger for will be lived out in your life because you will do anything at all costs to be filled by that hunger, to be satiated by that hunger. If you are desperate enough, you will ultimately be filled by. And friends, what is it? that you are so desperate to be filled by. Look at the world right now. Identity, sex, influence, some sort of justice that only comes by way of cosmic justice with Jesus. I mean, like, we're, we are desperate for answers to the system that is wrong, corrupt, and broken, and fallen. And truly, the only thing that is gonna satiate that need or that desire of anything is Jesus. It's still Lord Jesus. Friends, can I just declare to you today that the biggest threat to the church is not the unbelieving world. The biggest threat to the local church, to you and me, the biggest threat to the church is not the unbelieving world. The biggest threat to the church is the underbelieving church. 
the dagger in the bride of Christ. Friends, the small little knife, the thing that you're not looking out for, the thing that is so easy and it just quickly and goes undiscerned and gets right in the ribcage of the bride of Christ, the dagger in our side, it is not the world. It is not the unbelieving world. It is an underbelieving church. You want to know why? Because we haven't actually ever desired Jesus and Jesus alone. We just desired Jesus a, a little bit further ahead of other things. Right? Like, I mean, like, we, we actually haven't committed ourselves to saying it's Christ and Christ alone. No, what we do is Jesus is great, but you know what would be really awesome is a spouse and a car, and a house, and a, and a career, and money, and sex, and all, and you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like Jesus is my Lord, and then like right below Jesus, like if Jesus is like 1A, we have all these 1Bs. You see, friends, that's, that's the dagger. That's the dagger in her side. There's so many people in our world today that have dating profiles, and no shame if you're on the dating apps. Like, I think that's great. I, like, I, I don't, don't, like, spiritually discern, okay, uh, how to use dating apps to ultimately build the kingdom of God. That's actually kind of what you should be doing on there. Like, number one, this isn't even my notes, it's just kind of coming to me right now. Number one, above finding a spouse or a boo thing or a girl thing or a boyfriend or, or like whatever it is that you're looking for on there, like, you know, I, I'm lonely on Friday. Like, above and beyond that, your, your dating apps should actually be used to, to build the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor Matt, how do you do that? Um, by not settling by not sending photos, by not allowing yourself to receive them, by worshiping God as you're swiping and discerning whether it's swiping right or left because the Holy Spirit is a better reader of men than a profile. Like, am I preaching to anybody real quick? Is that okay with you? Like, is that all right? Can we just set you up well for 2022? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. So many people in our world today, their dating profile would say, Jesus is a big part of my life. Jesus is kind of a big part of my life. So if you're not, if Jesus isn't a big part of your life, then you're not going to be a part of my life. Friends, if someone's dating profile says Jesus is a big part of my life, run from that person. Pastor Matt, that sounds awesome. Like that's literally what I've been praying for, and I kind of thought maybe that would show up. Maybe I thought this was a prophetic word until you said that. Run from that person. Jesus didn't come to take part. Jesus came to take over. It's the name. If Jesus is simply a part of your life, then you will live a life apart from Jesus. Understand that today. Friends, the biggest dagger in the side of Christianity today is an under-believing church. It is Christ alone the cornerstone, not Christ before and then some things after. It's him. It's him. Friends, 
this morning as we go into 2022, it is my plea, it is my cry that we would have such a holy desperation that nothing besides Christ could suffice. Nothing besides Christ could suffice. What happens in Christianity today is this. See, as pastors, we've failed you. And I'm sorry, we have. We've preached messages for far too long that said, you know what? I'm going to look at you. Let me get a good look at you. You know what? It's right. Jesus, Jesus will look real good on you. Jesus will look real good on you. You know what, this whole thing you got going on here, this whole like young influencer, you know, it, uh, TikTok sensation, that whole thing you got going on, um, you know what would really help that whole like mm, come together? Jesus. Jesus would look really good on you. We have preached messages for far too long where we have told people Jesus is a better accessory than he is a savior. Friends, we have for far too long placed a cross necklace around the necks of converts rather than a cross on the backs of disciples and we wonder why people are walking away from their faith. That's going to be the most for real thing you ever hear. We have done a better job of placing a cross necklace around the necks of converts than we have a cross on the back of disciples. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This isn't arrive and look good, and Jesus kind of brings what you got going on all together, okay? Jesus really compliments the home, and he compliments the house, and he compliments the wife, and he compliments the car, and this whole thing you got going on really looks good with Jesus on it. That's not it. Why do you think so many people are leaving the faith because it's so much easier to take off a cross necklace that was purchased for you at a gift shop than a cross that purchased you at Golgotha. Hear that today. It is easy to take off a cross necklace that was purchased to you, gifted to you, at a gift shop, where is this stupid thing at? Okay, maybe it's not as easy as I'm making it out to be. But not everyone's as much an idiot as I am. You see that? 30 seconds. Do you know what's incredibly difficult? A torture device designed to kill you that purchased you at Golgotha, living on your back. We're called to take up our cross daily and die to ourselves. It's still die to follow. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Holy desperation, friends. You will have holy desperation when you are living a life with a cross on your back. You want to know why? Because you are so heavenly minded that you know what? You actually are emphatically believing that this crazy construct on the back of your life, everybody else's would be better if they had it. Everybody would look better. Everybody would live better. You wouldn't leave your marriage. You wouldn't wind up in the arms of another. You wouldn't give of yourself. 
You would mistake your identity because you know you're a son and you're a daughter because there is a wooden block on your back that says, I have purchased you. And we have failed the church in this hour by dressing you up in Christian accessories instead of telling you Jesus isn't the brooch that you wear. Jesus is the cross that you bear. Jesus isn't the sweet enamel pin that you put on. Jesus is the robe that you are clothed in. Friends, if Jesus, is a, if Jesus remains an accessory for you, you will never be clothed in his power. Holy desperation. You see, here we have Habakkuk. I know, whatever, the clock, I could care less. We have Habakkuk. And what he says in this moment I, is so profound to me. He says, Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, and Lord, do I fear. Lord, do I fear. Lord, I have heard the work of you, and Lord, do I fear. And friends, I fear the same fears. They're welling up in me, and I wonder this morning... Do we have the same worries, the same troublings? Are we grieved for the same things that Habakkuk was grieved for? Because what he's saying here is he's like, hey, I've heard, I've heard, God, of what you did. You birthed nations through a 70-year-old Sarah and a 90-year-old Abraham. I've heard, God. I've heard, Lord Jesus, of what you did in Moses and then later finished with Joshua in the promised land. I've heard about it. Father, I heard of the great faith that Job had that while everyone in his life said, quit on God and die, he remained faithful. God, I've heard the stories of Ezra rebuilding the temple. Father, we've heard the stories of Man, what Elisha did, oh my gosh. And then that double portion that you put on Elijah's life of what Elisha had, Father, I've heard. God, I heard about what you did with some practical obedience, walking around the walls of Jericho seven times. Father, I've heard of what you did with 300 men. God, I heard how you shut the mouth of a lion when Daniel was in the den. And God, I've seen how you made David a man after your own heart, even after all the things he did and all the times he stepped out and all the things that he didn't listen to you on. You made him into a man that was after your own heart. God, I've heard. But you see the thing about Habakkuk is I think we've heard too. I think we've heard. I think we've seen the Bible. I think we have YouTube. I think we can look at all these things that are happening in other parts of the world and happening in other parts of our country. And, and, and we look at these things and we say, God, I've heard what you have done. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just talk about God's greatest hits. He doesn't just say that. He says, but I fear in this day, revive it. Revive it. 
do it again. And I wonder, I wonder what the church would begin to look like, what Takeover Church would begin to look like, what our city would look like, what our state would look like, what our nation could look like, and what the world could look like. And I know, so often when pastors say that it goes in one ear and out the other because we think so little of ourselves. Well, the king of the universe thinks so much of you that he died for you. Think more of yourself. You got a bigger plan, you got a bigger role in God's plan than you know. Is that all right? He's saying, God, I've heard. I've heard. Revive it. Make it known in these years. What if we gave our lives like the prophet Habakkuk did? And we said, I'm really self-conscious about pronouncing his name wrong now. Habakkuk, Habakkuk. What if we surrendered to holy desperation in such a real, tangible way that said, Lord, do it again. Do it again. You see, over the course of this series, don't worry, the engine will stop in a second. (laughs) Over the course of this series, I want to stir it up on the inside of us that we're not interested in old wine that was crushed years ago. We're not interested in the old oil left over from pressed on generations that knew getting down on your hands and knees, on your face before the Lord was the only thing that was going to see heaven move in the earth. Like I, I, We're not going to settle for old wine and old oil, but we are going to chase after the old fire of generations gone by. Because if I'm being honest, friends, we've heard stories about what the Lord is able to do, and we've dressed it up in skinny jeans and tattoos, and we've called it good enough. And we've settled for what we've heard and have never chased after and lived what we've heard. I want to live it. I want to live it. I want to do the stuff. I want to live the stuff. I want to see the stuff. I want the things that Jesus says that are buck wild crazy to be the natural place of my life. And I hope that you do as well. And quickly, if I could, what I want to do, and will continue to do over this series, is I want to tell you about a revival. Is that okay? Anybody ever heard of a man named George Whitfield? George Whitfield is the man, okay? Let me put it this way. George Whitfield, he started, he's an Englishman, and he started in America, the first revival in our land. It's literally called the First Great Awakening because there was multiple. And what happened for George Whitfield is he had a holy desperation that I am believing to see sprout up in people in this very room today. And maybe more importantly, no shots fired, just very honestly, I, hope it, I pray and hope it sprouts up in people who aren't in this room today. 
because George Whitfield in 1700s, understand this, this is the 1700s, him with his two best friends, we have John and Charles Wesley, you ever heard of them? Okay, the Wesley bros, those guys, awesome, right? Legends, people have heard of them. Well, what happens is they end up raising up this young cat, George Whitfield. Word is he had a mohawk, I don't know. Um, maybe. Not in 1700. Yeah, that would have got you stoned, okay? She's a witch. Um, it's the 1700s, and George Whitfield, he is a rock star in London. He is a rock star preacher in London. In 1720, he is preaching to one million people in London. Hear me, 1720. But this man, you see, George, he gets, a, he gets such a radical, holy desperation. I'm talking mad, falling out of his tree in love with Jesus like he cannot be contained. What comes over this man can only be called the Spirit of God. What happens inside George Whitfield is he begins to get a dream for the colonies. See, this thing right now, it was the colonies. America wasn't even, there wasn't 50 states. There was like 13 at the time. Like, it's a whole thing. And what ends up happening is, can I read this to you real quick? Is that all right? Check this out. George Whitfield, in 1730, began what is known as the first great awakening in America. Check this out. Moves to the, or, well, comes over to the colonies in 1730. Check this out. He preached 18,000 sermons, 18,000 sermons, 12,000 lectures over a 30-year period. He crossed the Atlantic Ocean 13 times. It is calculated that in his life, he literally spent three hours of his life on a boat. Three hours of his life on a boat to spread the gospel in a new country, and we can't even come to church when it snows. Sorry, three, three years. Three years. Listen, all right. Preaching on Ephesians 5 next week. Talks about wives submitting to their husbands and not calling them out in front of an entire people group. But listen, three years of his life spent on a boat we live in a time and a place where pastors, we encourage one another and each other. Count the cost. What? He gave me everything. Three years on a boat is nothing. 18,000 sermons? God, let's do it. You know what's insane is that one million people in London lost their favorite preacher, their rock star, to barns, fields, and bars full of tens and hundreds of people, whomever would gather. Whomever would gather. We want to talk about, we want to talk about being, Jesus is such a big part of my life. Is he your life? Or is he just a part of your life? Is he your greatest accessory or is he your Lord and Savior? What is he? Because for George Whitfield, he spent three years of his life in total crossing an ocean to go and preach a gospel full of people. And you know what? He preached to men. 
He preached to women. He preached to the free and the slaves. Do you know what else happened? Do you know what George Whitfield gave his life for? He went from Georgia to New England, from New England back to Georgia, all up the eastern line of our country. And he was telling slave owners, you want to follow Jesus? You can't own people. And in 1730, he was having slaves freed when it was still legal to own other people. This is holy desperation. Holy desperation isn't, whoo, I really need a church this week. I had to see my family for Christmas, and it was a nightmare. No. Holy desperation is when you go to a foreign country that's just being established, and you say, here I am, Lord. Send me to die. See, George Whitfield, he holds one of his classic revivals. I'm talking a tent in a field. There ain't good coffee from Lori with the glory and cookies, okay? There are people in overalls eating straw and other things because they were some country folk and they were wearing a bunch of wool and it was hot, okay? Like these are some aggravated individuals. And there was a slave girl literally fresh from being kidnapped from Africa. You want to know what her name was? Her name was Phyllis Wheatley. Wheatley and Phyllis are not her names. That's what she was given by the people who owned her. Phyllis Wheatley is famous in American history and in church history because she's the first published black female poet ever. And she was both freed physically and spiritually at one of George Whitfield's not million, not thousands, not even hundreds at the tens of people that gathered at a barn in Georgia to hear him preach the gospel. In London, he got a start as a stage actor. That's right. Back when dudes played both roles, chances are George Whitfield was in a dress. He was a rock star. Tonight, Macbeth, starring George Whitfield in every role. And he gave up one million people to go into ministry. And do you want to know what his main message was? All of us pastors, we got a main message. We got, we got something that's a through line in everything we preach about. Mine's clearly revival. But do you know what George Whitfield's through line was in his messages George Whitfield's through line the thing that he said what he always focused in on no matter where he was or what he was doing or what was happening in Georgia or New England because those are two very different places his message was always repentance die to yourself follow Jesus 
And you know what he's really famous for? He's really famous because the dream that is America, the dream that is America, these families, they left what they knew. They left where they were from, their kin, their people. They left it all. They got on a boat. They beat the ocean. They came here. Obviously, there are a lot of mistakes in American history, and I'm not glazing it over. Don't mistake that. But those people gave up everything for this dream called America. And George Whitfield showed up in their barns, bars, and cornfields and said, This dream called America, let it die and live for Jesus. This dream called America, die to that dream and follow Jesus. This dream, colonies, this newfound land, this new dream, all these things that this could be, let it die. Because the possibilities here pale in comparison to Lord Jesus. Amen. Worship team, you can make your way up here. You see, friends, while the 1700s weren't perfect for America, they weren't perfect. But see, revival doesn't wait for everything to be perfect. Revival comes on the back of holy desperation. Revival isn't looking. New wine isn't looking for perfection. New wine isn't looking for all of the stars to align and everyone to view each other perfectly and have all of this stuff that we're clamoring for today. And that was clearly in desperate need then. Revival doesn't wait for perfection. Revival comes on the heels of holy desperation. People that are willing to give their lives to follow. See, for George Whitfield, Jesus wasn't a fad. Jesus was the very breath of life. Jesus was his literal bread and butter. Jesus was the reason he woke up in the morning. It wasn't that he didn't have a wife or kids or other responsibilities. It wasn't that other times he had to do things to make money. It wasn't, it wasn't that. But it was holy desperation that he gave up a million crowd, people, audience in London for Saddleback Ministry. He traveled from Georgia to New England on a covered wagon to seed this country with a firm foundation that would be planted on the Lord Jesus. You're not going to hear that on CNN. You're not going to hear that on Fox News. You're not going to hear about George Wheatley or Whitfield, sorry. George Whitfield, you're not going to hear about him in your history books. But if you study church history, 
you'll understand that revival, it's in our bones as a nation. It's in our bones. It's in our very soil. It's in our beginning. It's that old fire that I'm seeking after. Well, Pastor Matt, I'm not a preacher and I'm not a pastor. I'm not a revivalist. Friends, the greatest call on your life isn't ministry. The greatest call on your life is Christianity. The greatest call on your life isn't to be me. It's to be you with Jesus. Maybe you're not called to ministry in the way that I'm called to ministry, but you are called to Christianity in the way that I'm called to Christianity. George Whitfield did so much for 30 years that his life was literally called a living sermon. Isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that just like Christianity? Isn't that just like you and me from the young to the old to the people up front to the people in the back? Isn't that just like you and I? Wouldn't we love for it to be said for the rest of our days, our lives? They were a living sermon. Would you guys stand? going to be honest, I had so much more I wanted to get into. But we're going to sing a song called Have It All. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you right now. January 2nd, 2022. I don't know what it looked like in 2021 for you. I don't know what it looked like in 2020. I don't know what it looked like for you yesterday on the first, but what I do know is what it can look like for you today, and that is Jesus being Lord and Savior of your entire life. So right now, don't sing this simply because it's a church service and we're gonna sing songs. Don't sing this simply because the words are going to be up on the screen. Don't sing this simply because it's what's expected of you right now. No, no, no. I want to invite you. I want to invite you on the adventure of a lifetime. Where Jesus is an addition to your life. He is subtraction to your life. Where he... He completely disarms you of everything that you are and completely arms you with everything that he is for every battle, for every good work, for every mission, for every marriage, for every moment in your life. He will rid you of yourself and robe you with himself. That's have it all. So would you join in and let's sing. Worship team, would you begin to sing and let's let Jesus have it all.